You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Man, I swear every single day I tell myself I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to do this podcast quickly and I'm going to have a little bit of extra time at the end of the night so I don't have to upload this and go directly to bed. I got down here at 6. It is 640. 640. Uh, the amount of time finding that song, deciding what part of the song to play, what version of the song to play, where to trim the song, and then I got distracted by Blaine sending me weird messages about something he wants to make a joke about Joe Rogan and wants me to edit it for him, um, and it's it's 6.40, so. <sighs> I don't, you know, I don't know, man. I get, uh, I get distracted. Anyways, um, today... I promised you would be uh, laughing at the enemy day. We'll see. Bottom line is I went through it. I found some clips for the Vikings. I looked at the Cardinals. There was nothing. I looked at the 49ers, and there there are a lot of things in terms of news, but there's not like laughing at the enemy stuff where you, you know, they're all melting down. I can't believe we lost. Even the Vikings, same kind of thing. It's not like, I'm so mad. This is the worst thing. I hate this team. Because the Vikings fans know that their season's over and they, they've been ready to move on for a while. They're talking about, you know, tearing down the season, which is, you know, still kind of laughing at the enemy. But there's not that, that I thought we were going to be good. What is this thing? Teams that are not good kind of know, right? Maybe not the Cardinals as much, but there just wasn't anything for them. The 49ers is just kind of news. I want to talk about some of that stuff. But as far as useful clips, um, and you got to understand, I mean, most of these YouTube videos are an hour long. So I'm listening and listening and listening and listening, and I might go 20 minutes and just go, nope, there's nothing here. And one channel might have five videos, and I'm trying to comb through, and it's like, this stuff, this is just not good, and it's not a good use of my time. So I have some queued up just for fun if we decide to delve in, but the only clips I really have are the Vikings, the 49ers, and the Bears. There was nothing for the Cardinals, nothing really interesting for the Saints. And at that point, I got Lions, Browns, Patriots, Chargers, Ravens, and Seahawks all on the docket ready to get some stuff. And I, I gave up long before I got there because, again, it's just, it's just if I find something, I'll play it for fun. But I, 
I can't spend hours and hours and literally days and days trying to find fans that are mad that just don't care anymore. That doesn't mean there isn't some interesting things. And that and, and I think that just, just in general, the news is kind of satisfying. You know, the Vikings fans are ready to move on from Zimmer, obviously, right? That's a fun little tidbit. I don't need to spend a day trying to find the clip of the angriest Vikings fan talking about it because they're not even angry anymore. They're just, a, so who do you think the next coach is going to be? Oh, I don't know. Jimmy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy's great. That's not fun. But there are some fun clips. But I'm just I'm just saying we can't do a full episode, which is fine because we got a lot of, lot of stuff to cover here. A lot of newsy news and notesy notes and little lambsied ivy. Kittle eat ivy too, wouldn't you? What are the words to that song? Mares eat oats, and does eat oats, and little lambs eat ivy. I'm literally just, I just kind of made that up, and it makes a lot of sense. Mares eat oats, and does eat oats, but little lambs eat ivy. The heck is the next part? That kid'll eat ivy too, wouldn't you? I'm pretty sure that's wrong, but that's that sounds good. That friggin' kid over there'll eat ivy, wouldn't you? What does that mean? What are we talking about here? Who wrote who wrote these songs, and who decided this is would would be a good song? Are there any qualifications for writing nursery rhymes back in, you know, the year seven or whenever that stupid song came out? It's like somebody came up with a jingle and they're like, hey, put some words to this. And they're like, all right, donkeys and grass and cows and trees and kids run up hills. And then the goat fell down and got brain damage. Boom, send it. Now it's seven o'clock. All right, I'm gonna have to close Facebook. Why don't we start off with some of the news and notesy stuff? Not exactly sure where to start, but let's start here. Adam Thielen for the Minnesota Vikings is officially done, I believe, for the year. I don't actually know that to be true. It just based on what he's going through and based on the timeline, unless they magically slip into the playoffs and go on a deep run, he's he's done. After re-injuring his ankle during Vikings' Week 16 game against the Rams, Adam Thielen will be shut down. The veteran wide receiver underwent surgery. Chad Graff of the Atlantic reports. This operation will almost certainly knock Thielen out for the remainder of the season. A roughly one-month recovery timeline comes with this procedure per Tom Pelissero of NFL.com. Barring a lengthy play, there you go, barring a lengthy playoff run, the 31-year-old wideout will resurface next season. The Vikings place Thielen on IR, knock him out for at least three weeks. So, I, you know, it's it's good news. Um hesitant to say that because I'm, you know, I don't want Adam Thielen to, to get hurt or anything. And it's not the best way to win a game. But at this point, their season's done. Our season is not. I'm not willing to fall on the sword of, of gamesmanship here. Hope he feels better. But um, the, the reality is that the Vikings are, are simultaneously a dangerous and kind of trash team. And one of the areas in which they're dangerous is their wide receivers. The other is their running back coupled with a quarterback that sometimes, in my opinion, looks very, very good. Although nobody agrees with me on that. By Thielen going down, the other characteristic of the Vikings is um, they really don't have a lot of options. The top two options are great, and it really doesn't matter if you're talking about a number three, but when you have Justin Jefferson, who's very, very good, and then it just really, really falls off, and I know a lot of people would say, well, what about the Packers? The Packers don't fall off that much. We had a stretch this year where it was getting pretty dicey, where MVS was out and Lazard was really just not performing and it kind of became, you know, we lost our top tight end. It became a real concern and all that talk for years about, well, the Packers just don't have a good number two was finally actually true, whereas previously it really wasn't that true. Um, but this is going to give the the Packers a little bit of leeway here um, in terms of obviously the top job here 
is shutting down Justin Jefferson. Now, the complication with that, and Matt LaFleur talked about it a little bit in his press conference, is you kind of have to choose what you want to do between playing the pass and playing the run. Now, this makes it a little bit easier when you're, you know, if you do try to play the run, you don't have two wide receivers that are really going to gash you. That's not to say they have literally nobody. They got other guys that are capable of running routes and catching footballs. But in terms of we're in big trouble, it's just Justin Jefferson. And so um, that obviously is going to work to our advantage. Uh, Dalvin Cook did just come off the COVID list, so he will be playing. One of the interesting things I saw recently that I don't know that I've really accounted for is uh, Kenny Clark recently came off of COVID, and he mentioned how difficult it was to come back off of COVID. Um, He was shut down for the whole week said he was pretty sick and just that it was kind of tough coming back. And there was somebody else. It was the exact same thing that they had said. I don't even necessarily know. Oh, it was Tyreek Hill, I think. I think it was Tyreek Hill. And it wasn't even necessarily that he was super sick. It's just he took a week off. And so the conditioning isn't quite as as peak. Maybe he was really sick. I don't know. But the, either way, there's something about no training for a week where you're basically laying in bed. And then you got to, you know, you come back just in time for game time. And all of a sudden you got to sprint all over the field. Uh, I think it was Pat Mahomes, I'm not entirely sure, was talking about he was just sucking wind all day. So even though you're you're healthy and you're back from, from you know being sick or whatever, you're still a little bit out of shape. And maybe you still got some lingering effects, I don't really know. Maybe some issues with the lungs. But that is worth thinking about. Now, if we're going based off PFF grades, Kenny Clark didn't really regress all that much. I mean, he's still in the 70s, which is all I ask from him at this point because he's coming out of that little dark spot, 40, 58, 54, 50. Um, when things were really bad. But still, it's it's worth um, at least acknowledging that it, it does matter. It's also worth pointing out, um, Dalvin Cook has regressed. Um, if you look at the yards and whatnot, he's rushed for 1,067 yards, six touchdowns. I'm sure many Minnesota Vikings fans would absolutely pitch a fit because that's what you're supposed to do. I understand that. Um, compared to last year, 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns, I would say there's a pretty big difference. Well, he hasn't played as much, and I get that. But even yards per attempt, he went from 5 yards per carry to 4.7. But the biggest thing is Dalvin Cook is having, as far as his PFF grade, the worst year of his entire career. Furthermore, he's only had three games this entire year where he graded in the 70s, and his highest grade is a 74, which is not even a little bit impressive. His grades since his rookie year, 60, uh, basically a 70, 73, 76. Last year, a 90. It was 89.0. This year, a 65. And even if we kick over to DVOA, thanks to Todd for uh, beating me over the head with DVOA, and the more I've been reading into it, the more I'm starting to uh, appreciate it. Last year, Dalvin Cook via, let's see, uh, DYAR, he was second. DVOA, he was eighth. Just very quickly based on my understanding of this, DYAR is yards above replacement. So literally, when it says 335 yards, they're saying that Dalvin Cook got 335 more yards than just a general running back would have got if he was there instead of Dalvin Cook. That's a lot, and it's the second most. It's a cumulative number. DVOA is a percentage. It's like yards per attempt, whereas DYAR is yard. So it's how good was he on a play-to-play basis above average? And this is a percentage. They're saying he was 15.6% better than your average running back, which was eighth. 
The reason DYAR is higher is because he ran the ball 50 billion times, so obviously a cumulative grade is going to be higher. But even still, eighth is very good. Do you know where Dalvin ranks this year? Dalvin Cook and DYAR is 30th. Do you know what the number is? 19. 19 yards. That is to say, if you just had a generic run-of-the-mill running back there, Dalvin Cook acquired only 19 more yards than you would expect your average running back to get. He's run for 1,067 yards. So a generic run-of-the-mill running back would be expected to have gotten 1,048 yards based on all of his opportunities. He has 1,067. Basically, almost exactly the same. Well, you know, DYAR is cumulative, and he's, you know, been out a couple times, so his DVOA is probably higher. He actually ranks 31st in DVOA. What percentage better is he on a play-to-play basis? Negative 6.6. His DVOA is negative. He is considered 6.6% worse than your average running back. He's having a bad year. There's, there's, there's not a lot of ways to really argue with. And really, the, the reason why I appreciate DVOA, or I'm, I'm beginning to, is, is because although, again, there's no way to ever get things perfectly, they're pouring through, I, I don't even know what the number would be. It would have to be hundreds of thousands of data points. I don't know. But let's just say, for example, it's third and three. It's the first quarter. There's X amount of seconds left. There are all these different variables... And all of these things, no matter what it is, it's it's the first quarter, there's four minutes left, third down at the 40-yard line with three yards remaining. They also take into account how good the defense is that they're going up against, right? Those are all the variables. But there is an expectation based on all these hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, whatever data points that say when when you're in this situation, the expectation is that you get this much. So based on... All these massive amounts of data points, they're able to put together an expectation. I think he's going to get this many yards. And then they adjust based on the defense you're going up against. So you should get this many yards. Actually, you should get this many yards because you're going up against this quality of defense. He is doing 16.6% worse than expectation. Now, it's the same thing I said about a lot of different guys, right? Because I've, I've done this a couple times and people get upset. When I said uh, Kyler Murray is not somebody we need to worry about in terms of being a mobile quarterback, people got mad because, of course, in a sense, he is. He's a guy that runs really, really, really fast, and if he breaks the pocket or decides to start running all over the place, we're in a lot of trouble. I acknowledge that, but I also acknowledge the information that I'm looking at based on what he's done this year. And so, you know, I can't tell you that he's not going to be a factor, especially given how bad we played last week, how poorly we played last week. Maybe your average run-of-the-mill running back is still going to be able to gash us. That's entirely possible. It's also possible that Dalvin just digs deep and has a great game. He's got the agility. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He has those physical attributes. There's no question about it. But you can't just stick your head in the, in the dirt and not acknowledge that despite his athleticism, his speed, and his power, His best game was week 14 against Pittsburgh, 74 overall grade, 79 rushing grade. That's that's good. It's nowhere near elite, dominant, whatever. For context, A.J. Dillon, (laughs) this is so stupid. I have not done it. I have failed you all by not hyping up A.J. Dillon enough. I really have failed you. I don't know if I've just looked at his page before. 
I, I mean, I've, I've told you that he's one of the highest graded running backs, but I think I just feel like it's a small sample size, so it doesn't count. The guy has an almost 90 overall grade. A.J. Dillon right now, based on what we're looking at, is a better running back than Dalvin Cook. Let me just pause here for a second because I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe of what I'm looking at right now. Dalvin Cook in his first year had a 69.9 overall grade. A.J. Dillon had a 78.3. That 78.3 would be Dalvin Cook's second highest grade of his entire career. He's never had a 78. He's had one year better than a 78.3. Now, again, that was a small sample size. We're talking about 63 snaps, 55 attempts, uh, 286 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, two touchdowns, a fumble, whatever. But it's still 70. That's still his output. That's still what he did, even in a small sample size. It's one of the benefits of having things like grades that show you what they did in a small sample size. And you can't take it as as concrete, but it still is what it is, right? If I throw a dart and hit a bullseye, how good of a, of a dart player am I? Well, you don't really know. Probably not bad, but it's hard to tell. If I, you know, hit it three out of five times, now you got a little bit of a better picture. He's pretty good. Three out of five is not easy. But he still only threw it five times. For all I know, he's going to miss the next nine times in a row. You know what I mean? The exciting thing, though, is in 2021, he's been given more opportunities. He's run the ball 159 times, and his grade is up to an 87 almost, which is nearly as high as Dalvin Cook in year four when he finally broke out and had his one kind of freakish year. Now, the stats are way higher, largely because he runs the ball a billion times, which, by the way, is probably why he's so injured all the time, which, by the way, is maybe why we can start to postulate as to why maybe he's starting to regress. When you got a guy that's 5'10", uh, yeah, 5'10", 210, that is being that, that came into the league right out of the gate having injury after injury after injury, and they run him into the ground as though he's a 250-pound running back, maybe it's wearing on him a bit. But anyways, A.J. Dillon, in comparison, so Dalvin Cook has had, he's played less games, granted, but he's had three games in the 70s, with 74 being his highest. One, two, three, four games in the 60s. One, two, three, four games in the 40s. I'm sorry, <laughs> stupid, I skipped. Three in the 50s, one in the 40s. Zero in the 90s, zero in the 80s. A.J. Dillon has three games where he graded out in the 80s, 85, 83, and 80. Again, let me repeat myself, Dalvin has zero. He has one, two, three, four, five games in the 70s, one, two, three, four games in the 60s, two in the 50s, and then one game against Washington, which was terrible, 26 overall grade. Now, he only ran the ball three times, and he had two fumbles, so you can kind of understand, you know, you can understand that. But overall, the guy has an almost 90 overall grade, and beyond that, most of his bad games seem to be behind him. In fact, um, he has his, he started the season 59, 54, 64. So two 50s and a 60 are out of the way starting in week four. Since week four, he doesn't. his lowest grade is a 65. Well, no, it's the 26, but a 65 outside of that one freakish game. He's been solid pretty much every week. And switching back to the whole DVOA, DYAR thing, A.J. Dillon is ranked eighth in both categories, which is not as high as PFF has him. And they have different ways of gauging things and different way of, you know... PFF is more scouting-based. You know, I'm going to watch the film and analyze based on my, you know, whatever it is, five-point scale from negative two to positive two, how good of a job you you did. So it's kind of like DVOA, but from a more subjective standpoint. 
it's based on my expectations as opposed to historical data's expectations. And it's, even that's not necessarily fair. There's a They're going off of a sheet that says these are the expectations for a running back, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But the point is, whether it's NFL scouting standards saying that A.J. Dillon is, let me look to be sure, the third best running back, PFF has him as the third best running back in football, or the eighth best running back in football based on DYAR and DVOA. They're both looking at A.J. Dillon as being a top running back. Neither of them sees Dalvin Cook as a top running back. Uh, So 30th, according to DYAR. And they only have, they don't have as extensive of a list because they have a cutoff. We're talking about 42 running backs. 31 out of 42 for DVOA. PFF ranks Dalvin Cook as uh, overall 41st out of 61. So anyways, point is, can Dalvin Cook still tear you up? Of course. But you know who's a better running back than Dalvin Cook is? Nick Chubb. Now that might not be comforting because he just tore us up, but the point is, I just don't want to get into the mindset of thinking Dalvin is sort of this next level guy. You know what I mean? Like he's he's on par with possibly better than Nick Chubb. He's not. He's absolutely not. By the way, Aaron Jones is back. He was way down the list for a while, but um, Aaron Jones has with, well, two decent games and then his 84 overall grade. Um, he has bounced back up to eighth. So <laughs> talking about best running back duo in football, I'm sure there's some contention about who that would be, but based solely on PFF, um, it's probably Cleveland number one and then Green Bay number two. Uh, you would assume Dallas, but that would be because you don't realize how little they think of Ezekiel Elliott, which they have him 31st. So um, yeah, the, the Packers being third and eighth, that's pretty solid. But anyways, regardless of any of that, Justin Jefferson is absolutely 1000% the real deal. Sorry about the screaming in the background. My uh, little one is having a rough night. But um, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson probably doesn't really require much explanation, but um, he is actually ahead of Devontae Adams in DYAR. He's ahead of Devontae Adams in DVOA. PFF does have him ahead of Justin Jefferson, but by two spots. It's Devontae, then Cooper Cup, then Justin Jefferson. So regardless of the metric you want to use, JJ is still very good. Kind of hopeful that maybe that was just a weird rookie year, which is pretty rare to be that good as a rookie and then just fall off. But I, I, I do have to assume that's going to be the number one priority. The number one priority is going to be stop Justin Jefferson. Again, the only real big wrinkle, though, is just how bad we were against the run. And if we, if we just, not because of, of Dalvin Cook, but just because we need extra help to get the job done, that obviously is going to cause problems. But, you know, I don't know. We, we don't need to necessarily get into breaking down the Minnesota Vikings game plan. I, I just, that is the complicated, you know, because on one hand, you're looking at it, it's like they don't have that good of an offensive line. Quarterback is good, but, you know, he kind of has his moments. They really just have one wide receiver, and then they got a running back that can do stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's what, two guys? Maybe three? Defense should be able to handle that. Yeah, but if they set it up where if you stop Justin Jefferson, we're just going to run the ball and you can't stop us, or you can try to stop us, but then we're going to kill you with Justin Jefferson. I don't know. That kind of sucks. But hey, if this is a Super Bowl caliber team, they'll figure it out, right? Well, we just got to sit back and watch and find out. And I just see here on the Twitters, this is from a couple hours ago, but I missed it. uh, MVS is officially off the COVID-19 list. So that is going to be a big boost for us. Um, So he will be back. Speaking of 
the big three that everybody's wondering about, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, and, uh, well, I guess it's not the big three. Those are the big, well, Zadarius, but I don't think anybody even asked about Zadarius. Anyways, Jair was officially activated, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. I'm not even sure the point of that entire process. Um, I guess it would just be sort of a, a roster thing. Now that he's active, you're going to have to, you know, boot somebody, but it's still not for sure. And based on sort of just reading the tea leaves, it doesn't sound like Jair is going to be playing. Uh, he's definitely not playing this week. Doesn't sound like he's going to be playing soon. And um, I don't know. I don't have a, a ton of optimism. It doesn't sound like a lot of people do. I, I think if I had to guess, let's say the Packers go to the Super Bowl, will he play at all? I would guess yes at some point, but it would be kind of late. And that's, I mean, we're talking like 60%. But even then, I, I can't help but wonder, as good as Jair is, I, I just don't think he's going to be in peak condition. I don't think you're going to get, you know, the best version of Jair. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, you know, I don't know. It did ask about Josh Myers. He mentioned Josh Myers will not be coming back. Talked about David Bakhtiari. Definitely sounded more positive insofar as at least didn't rule him out entirely for this week. Still sounds not super positive, but it, it, again, entirely reading between the lines here. As for Billy Turner, Matt LaFleur says that he is, quote, still a little ways away, but he's made good progress. So um, he did say he'll be back sooner than later. I don't know if that means like he might be back this week or what, but I, I would assume based on that, he'll be back probably by next week unless they, you know, uh, rest the starters. I don't know if we're going to even do that or not. But um, by the way, the way in which that that happens, if the Packers win and Dallas loses, we were, uh, we got the number one seed locked up. So um, it's kind of cool to not only have the playoffs locked up before the end of the season, but possibly have the number one seed locked up. That's pretty wild. I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but that's a possibility. As for Zadarius Smith, I don't have a clue. I have no idea what's going on. I think if we just assume the team is what it is, we'll all just be a lot happier. Anyways, it's almost 8 o'clock somehow. It's been two hours. I've done 25 minutes of podcast. I obviously am just terrible at what I'm doing. I can't tell you how angry that makes me. Like, you're being responsible. You go down to do it early, and now I'm looking at it going, I'm not even half done with the podcast. It takes me forever to upload the podcast. I'm not going to get upstairs until a half hour after I want to. And then putting the kids to bed is a whole ordeal. So I want to go to bed at 8. I'll probably go to bed by 9.15. Then I'm going to sit on my phone because I do the same thing on my phone that I do with this podcast. So I'll be doing that until 9.30, 9.45 before I force myself to just switch over to the office, set it down, lay down, try to get to sleep. And for some reason, despite the fact that I feel like I'm going to die because I'm so tired, I'll lay there and be like, I'm not tired. I don't know. And then I'll wake up in the morning after about six, seven hours of sleep and feel like I just got hit by a truck. Because for some reason, I can't handle not sleeping anymore. Back in the days when I would get five hours of sleep and wake up and do the podcast, I could handle it. Now I get seven-ish, can't handle it. So, I don't know. Why don't we take a break? If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy be greatly appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyways, um, I had a Chicago Bears fan um, quote tweet my podcast today and uh, remind me how pathetic I am because Justin Fields lives rent-free in my head. And that reminded me that um, I left something out when I was trashing Justin Fields, and I want to talk about that because I'm petty that way. Um, For all the Bears fans listening, I know you're tired of hearing me talk about Justin Fields, and you really desperately want to believe that if we just get a new co- uh, new coach, um, then then Justin Fields will become one of the all time greats, and I, I understand that that's important to you for for good reason. I, I get it. And again, like I said for Trubisky for three years, maybe next year will be better. And every year I was scared. Every year, oh man, if this guy can reach his full potential, we're in a lot of trouble because he's athletic. He's got a good arm. I mean, that deep ball, man. He threw a couple beautiful passes. He just kept doing stupid stuff. But um, Mr. Todd uh, Numberman, Numberman, once again reminded me, DVOA is a thing, don't forget. And so when I looked at um, the fact that Justin Fields was unable to outperform the other quarterbacks, even remotely close to the amount of success that uh, Andy freaking Dalton had, and that Mitch Trubisky was better than all the other quarterbacks every single year, I thought, why don't I look at DVOA. Not D-Y-A-R. I don't really care as much because, again, that's cumulative and we're talking about guys that didn't really play full seasons and everything. But DVOA is interesting to me because it's on a per-play basis. For example, Aaron Rodgers right now, Bears fans, listen up. Aaron Rodgers right now, the 2021 and 2022 quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, on an average play is 25.4% better than your average quarterback. 25% better. That's a big number right there. Now, if you'll do me a favor and scroll all the way to the bottom, third from the bottom, just above of Sam uh, Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, is Justin Fields. He is 30.5% worse, worse than your average quarterback. That is to say, Aaron Rodgers, who potentially is the MVP because he's that good. Justin Fields is more bad than Aaron Rodgers is good. Man, that sentence just makes the cheeks hurt a little bit. 
I mean, mine from smiling. I don't mean Bears fans. That's a that's a different. That's a never mind. I feel like this podcast is kind of like a Pixar movie where it's kid friendly, but only because the kids don't get some of the jokes. That's how we roll. Anyways, again, that is the third worst uh, DVOA of anybody. I'm sorry, 29.3. I lied. I was looking at VOA, which is not defensive adjusted. Same difference. 29.3. Still worse than Aaron Rodgers is good. But again, what was the point of what I was trying to do? Well, if we're being honest, what I'm really trying to do is make Bears fans mad. And what's the best way to do that? To not only say that Justin Fields is Mitch Trubisky 2.0, but to say he's significantly worse than Justin than uh, Mitch Trubisky. If I could just keep their name straight. I can't even... They're the same guy in my brain. I can't even keep their name straight. Well, how are we going to do that? Well... Let's take a look at DVOA, which again is basically saying, on average, here is our expectations for what a quarterback will do in this situation, and he has been about 30% worse than expected. How bad was Mitch Trubisky? Well, we have multiple years, so I'm sure there were many years where he was way worse than 30%, you know, worse than your average quarterback. Let's look at 2020, the year that he got the boot. He's out of here. Mitch Trubisky, garbage, trash, get out of here. And he was. He was very bad. He was 25th on this list with a DVOA uh, percentage of negative 7. Ah, so close. So he was 7% worse than your standard quarterback. Justin Fields, 30. The 2020 equivalent of Justin Fields is the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, uh, Brandon Allen, who had a negative, uh, let's see, negative 31.8 which is a little higher, but there's a big gap between that and Deshaun Watson with a negative 15, basically. Oh, no, actually, Sam Darnold was negative 32. Daniel Jones, negative 22. So kind of in that range, but closer to Sam Darnold, which is great. I mean, why wouldn't you want your quarterback to basically be Sam Darnold? He's starting in Carolina right now. So who knows? Maybe Justin Fields will be there for a couple years, get traded to a different team, and have moderate success before getting benched for Cam Newton. In 2019... Just uh, Mitch Trubisky, can keep getting him confused, negative 11. So again, he's bad. He's worse than your average quarterback, but 11% worse as compared to 30%. 2018, when the Bears were actually um, a good team, and remember, Mitch Trubisky had a very uh, good record as a quarterback, 3.6% better than your average quarterback. Okay, well, that's all good and well, but he had experience. What about when he was a rookie? Ah, you got me. That was his worst year. He was 29th. He was uh, very near the bottom. His DVOA was minus 16.8, which is about half as bad <laughs> as Justin Fields. In fact, this is, this, is a, this is a funny one. 2018, remember who the quarterback was for the Green Bay Packers? Do you remember how horrible Brett Hundley was. No offense. I'm sure he's a great guy. Having a great life out there somewhere. Um, Negative 28.3, which is to say Justin Fields has has been moderately worse than Brett Hundley. So, but who cares? You don't, uh, listen, you don't need data. You don't need DVOA or DYAR or PFF grades, or PFF's passing grades. You certainly don't need any form of statistics. You don't need to be looking at their records compared to Mitch Trubisky. You don't need to look at any of these things. What you need to do is ask Bears fans their opinion based on the eye test. That's that's, that's the real metric here. Bears fans' 
eye test. If they say he's actually real good, then you just throw this data right in the trash. Right in the old T-rash. Goodbye, horses. By the way, I want to thank the uh, Angry Bears fans for reminding me to never give up my assault on the Chicago Bears, and in particular, their hopes and dreams. And make no mistake, that's exactly what this is about. Why are you so obsessed with Justin Fields? Because it's the only thing Bears fans care about. Seriously, if, 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 if nobody else really matters on this. There's a couple people they like. Mooney's fine. Probably a couple offensive linemen they like. I heard uh, the Tate Never Lies guy mention Jasper, Jasper Horstead. I have no idea why, but apparently they like that guy. They probably like Khalil Mack, although they know he doesn't have much time left. I don't even know if they like Roquan anymore. I know they don't like Eddie Jackson. Called it. But Justin Fields, that's, that's everything. He is the Chicago Bears. The coach doesn't matter. The GM doesn't matter. The McCaskies don't matter. The stadium and the location don't even matter. They can move to a new city in Illinois. They don't even care. The offensive line, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running back's cool, but I couldn't care less. The defense, start over. But Justin Fields is everything. He is their hope for a new life. And he was really bad this year. And I'm not going to stop reminding them that he, not just the coach, he was bad. Well, is his rookie? Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, he might be good next year. I don't know. Trubisky might be too. Who knows? I don't know. Still haven't given up hope on that guy. You never really know. Just like Jordan Love might be good. I can be consistent. I don't know that Jordan Love won't be. I don't know. I don't. I don't know much. All I'm telling you, not a good start. <laughs> it's every potential data point that you could possibly look at is hinting toward this ain't gonna work. So what are you gonna do? I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. You need to find the absolute best quarterback coach you could possibly find. I'll do my best not to remind you about the fact that you had the opportunity to hire Matt LaFleur, who has been amazingly good with quarterbacks, including with Aaron Rodgers, who you know seemed to be on the downswing of his career and now is facing back-to-back MVPs. Um, I'll leave that aside and assume that there's another guy out there that's just as good with quarterbacks that can come to Chicago and nothing else matters. You know, uh, a guy like Trestman, who is a quarterback whisperer, who can come in and get this thing, um, you know, going in the right direction. Find that guy, everything's fixed. You don't even need to get a new GM that knows how to draft because who cares? Quarterbacks don't need offensive linemen, wide receivers. You certainly don't need a good defense, special teams, offense. You don't need any of that stuff. You just need a good quarterback. So go out and find you a Trestman. He can whisper to your quarterback. He'll be really, really good. The rest of the team won't matter. You're going to win Super Bowls. Best of luck. Goodbye, horses. It's all over TikTok right now, and every time I see it's the same stupid skit. It's some guy putting on chapstick and just doing that that dance from the Officer Stottlemyre from Monk, Captain Stottlemyre. But I have to watch it every time. I don't know why. It creeps me out, but it's so good. And because of that, I had to have that on the intro, and now it's stuck in my head, and I got to sing it. And if you got a problem with that, you can just get right out of my house. Yeah, I'm not sleeping tonight. Oh, what else we got going on here? Oh, 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 I'm so glad. I, I really, I I wasn't even planning on doing that thing. Like I said, I, I just got reminded by a Bears fan, so I did it. But there was something I wanted to talk about in regard to the Chicago Bears. Do I have a clip for this? I do have a clip. I don't really have a lot of time. I'm not going to do it. I should, but I'm not going to. I'm very short on time. It's actually after 8 o'clock, so I need to be done. There is a rumor. That was my chair. Get out of here. There is a rumor that is uh, being perpetuated 100% by Bears fans, that Sean Payton may be coming to the Chicago Bears. And again, (sighs) Bears fans, you guys, you do this to yourself. 
See, Packer fans, we keep picking on you. We keep doing this kind of stuff. But it's because of you. It's because of the stuff you do. I hate to bring up the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, but it's, you know, I, I don't have a problem with anything he's done. This isn't about that. But it's it's kind of funny how he makes comments and then people trash him for his comments. And then he's like, everybody keeps making fun of me. It's like, I know. Well, whether they're right or wrong, and we can even both acknowledge they're all kind of jerks, but you you keep you keep talking about it. And then you get mad that people talk about the fact that you're talking. You know, that's what Bears fans do. They come out and they run their mouth. They're talking about, you know, the NFC North now runs through Trubisky. And we got it this year. And we're going to win the Super Bowl. We got the bad, bad. And we're going to do this. And it's going to be great. Nagy's great. And Pace is great. Coach of the year. You know, executive of the year. Fields is going to be amazing. All these things over and over and over again. And don't forget in the offseason. It was a done deal that Deshaun Watson was coming to Chicago. And then later, it was a done deal that Russell Wilson was coming. We just know it, and we're going to be so good. This defense with Russell Wilson, can you even imagine it? I can't even imagine it. Bears fans could, though. And it was a done deal. It was locked up. These guys live in a perpetual fantasy land. And granted, it was a little unfair because that actually was a real thing. There were talks going on. So the Bears... The Bears organization is is perpetuating the delusion of Bears fans that that we're going to do something and we're going to make this better and it's going to be amazing. And then Bears fans just take that to crazy land. And now I don't even know where this started, but this is crazy. I remember hearing it for a while about, is it possible that Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, could be on his way to Chicago? And I remember th- just thinking to myself, first of all, that there must be some something to this. But trying to figure out why. Is he about to get fired? Why would he get fired? He's not doing anything wrong. He's he's his team is being destroyed because of salary cap issues and somehow they haven't even fixed those issues. Usually you cut a bunch of players and you take a super massive dead cap hit so that next year you can have a bunch of nope, next year they're just as doomed. I don't even know how they messed it up this bad. This is not his fault. Well, apparently there that I have heard there is no rumor that Sean Payton will be fired. In fact, the the thought is, and I'll be honest, it was, uh, I think it was Adam Rank. There's a video of Adam Rank doing this thing. It is the most sad and pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life where he's basically begging Sean Payton to quit his job with the Saints and go to Chicago. Why? Why, you ask, would he do that? Why would he leave this job he's had for such a long time? Well, number one, the, the Saints apparently are a disaster, but the Bears aren't, which I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Well, you got a salary cap nightmare. Well, what do you have? Nothing. The only thing that they have that he could sell, you get the opportunity to come work with Justin Fields. You guys are out of your mind. Again, I understand Bears fans feel like, like Justin Fields is really something, and he's going to be the next great thing. Everybody else watched the kid, all right? And despite some media members who are going to be out there saying, oh, he's so good, he's great, and they pat him on the head and stroke his hair and all this stuff, Sean Payton can watch him on television, right? He can look and see, nope, I don't want to work with that kid. And also, apparently, he's from the Chicago area and briefly played for the Bears, so he's going to be the guy to resurrect the Chicago. Nobody's going to resurrect the Chicago Bears, and he's not an idiot. So listen, maybe there's more to this that I'm just not aware of, but my understanding is Bears fans are simply asking Sean Payton to quit his job that has been very good to him, come to Chicago because who wouldn't want to work with Justin Fields? First of all, if he's going to go anywhere, he'd go to Jacksonville and go work with Trevor Lawrence. 
well, Trevor Lawrence has been terrible. So what? So is Justin Field. But Justin Fields isn't Trevor Lawrence. Well, Jacksonville Jaguars are a dysfunctional organization. So are the Bears. Bonus, he doesn't have to move to Chicago. He can move to Florida and go work for an owner that's just like, dude, I don't care. I got all this money. I'll do whatever you want. Who cares? Shad Khan doesn't give a... He doesn't care. Do he just? Do you see how much money he doled out for that last coach? It was a bad decision, but so what? It's not like he's running things. He's just throwing out money, being like, whatever you need, baby, I got you. That's a sweet gig, especially if you're a guy that knows what he's doing. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Shad's just like, dude, hey, I'll tell you what. You come over here. Not only do you get to be the coach, but you can do the whole GM coach thing. It's a stupid thing, but why wouldn't he take it? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to Chicago. I don't want to live in that hellhole, that place that is having a mass exodus. They've got like, I, I think I just saw in the news, not since World War II, I think, have we seen that many people leave Chicago? I think per capita, it was number one. Nobody wants to live there. Nobody wants to move there. Nobody wants to be there. That's the other thing Bears fans are delusional about. They're so proud of Chicago. They don't understand why anybody would ever want to go to Wisconsin. Ugh, Wisconsin's stupid. You know why. You vacation here. Chicago's the place nobody wants to be. Dude, it's a city life. I'm sorry. I, I, it's not that interesting. There are Green Bay Packers who drive down to Chicago to experience city life, and then they drive back. Sometimes they get pulled over with weed in the car, but that's a separate story. Point is, I don't have to live there and be a freaking Chicago bear, which is horrible, and work for the McCaskies or play under the McCaskies just to experience the city life that nobody apparently wants and everybody's fleeing and pay the city life taxes and buy these the city life homes. No, thank you. No, thank you. Trash. Just all trash. Anyways, there's plenty more to talk about, but it's 20 after 8. We'll deal with it tomorrow, I guess. You folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.